I've, um, I'll share a little bit of my life trauma with you. Um, <laughs> trauma. Um, it really isn't, but I, um, I played football in high school, and the, the regular um, tradition that we had is we'd go out to an Italian restaurant before, this, before the Friday night game, and um, I, it was the garlic bread that they had there that was so good. And I saved one of the pieces, and I intentionally ate outside the crust, so that way I just had that one last really good bite, just sopping with butter, and like the crispiness that was there. And as I was walking towards the bus, a friend of mine knocked it out of my hand intentionally, because he saw that I was savoring it. And I, I mean, even to this day, I can just see that, that piece of garlic bread flying away and just like landing in the parking lot. It's just, it's just stuck with me. I do need help. So thank you, thank you for this, this morning's therapy session. I don't know why that has, has resonated. It was Frantone's uh, Dolby that, yeah, that, that garlic bread that they had up there. Um, we're going to be talking about communion uh, this morning, the Lord's table, the breaking of the bread and, and, um, and partaking of the cup. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm just going to be reading some, some portions. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 18, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 20 through 33, or 20 through 26, and then verse 33. Um, yeah, this morning's a bit of a flyover because we want to make space for all the different elements that are part of this morning. Um, and you will see uh, in a couple of slides, I'm just trying to stay to, to, to a couple of bullet points. Um, and so this is going to be an exercise of of discipline here for me this morning and trying to keep the message a little bit more tight. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Father, as we read your word uh, this morning, again, might, be, we, we, might we be reminded of your presence here with us. Um, Lord, may we continue to come to love and, and adore and delight um, being in your presence. Continue to create within us an appetite uh, to be with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? Jumping to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurried to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? <laughs> Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Down at verse 33. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Tish Harrison Warren said, said this in um, her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, of all the things he could have chosen to be done in remembrance of him, Jesus chose a meal. There are so many other things that Jesus could have instructed us to do. Like when you go out and feed the poor, do this in remembrance of me. Um, but he chose a meal. He chose the place around the table for the church to regularly do this in remembrance of him. And, and when I think about that, I think about the fact that Jesus chose a normal and ordinary space. And that doesn't, doesn't that tell us something about our God? That he desires to be with us in our regular spaces, in our everyday living. And maybe it's thinking about it this way that a healthy relationship with my boys isn't, isn't really built upon the big, elaborate celebrations. The healthy relationship with my boys is built on the mundane, ordinary moments. It's built on us together at 4.30 p.m. and them coming to me and saying, do you want to go play catch outside? Do you want to hang out together? Do you want to play Uno again for the 5,000th time? And, and what, they're, what they're asking there is, would you, would you be with me and not be on your phone? Actually be present in this game time? Actually be here together, not trying to multitask with us? But would you sit? And Jesus chooses a space where we face one another, where we're, we're together, where we sit with each other. He chooses a normal, ordinary, regular space for us to remember him. And so I wanted to just fly through these, these different points um, here over these verses that, that I brought out from 1 Corinthians um, and you'll see the bullet points that come up on, on the next screen. Uh, the first thing that I want to reflect on is, is we've got to start here. We're at the Lord's table. And I think the, the reminder here is, is God is our host. This isn't our table. It's the Lord's table that we gather at. And it's this reminder to us that we are brought together because he's the one that is at work. And he is the one that has invited us. He is the one that has made a way for us to be gathered together. We are able to be, to be able to sit with one another as, as the body of Christ because it's his table. And every time that we gather together as the people of God, it is this reminder of Jesus's grace and forgiveness that is constantly reminded to us that we're constantly reminded of. Every time we break the bread and drink the cup, we are reminded 
Jesus is for us. He's for you. He's for you. We're reminded that whatever we're facing, it's not the end of the story. Whatever we're overwhelmed by, we get the opportunity to sit at the table. It is a reminder that our Redeemer lives and he is ever present with his people and he invites us to sit with him. It is a reminder that he is the one that nurtures and sustains us. It is this place where he comes and he tells us, come, sit, eat. I love, love the picture at the end of the book of John when the disciples are toiling all night long and they catch nothing. And Jesus calls out to them, try the other side of the boat. And they throw the net in and all the fish that are there. And, and Jesus and John both were just suddenly aware, it's the Lord. And, and Peter dives in the water and swims to the shore. And the disciples come to the shore. And what they find there is Jesus. And he has fish available for them. And his simple invitation is, come, sit, eat with me. And, and the Lord's table is this reminder to us, this invitation that says, come and be sustained by me. Come and be nurtured by me. Come and, and delight with me. Would you just have breakfast? Just slow down and let's be present with one another. The, the table is this reminder that Jesus is at work in our world, that he hosts a table. And he is meeting people in mundane and every, everyday moments, giving of himself for us. The next point I want to take us to is the statement that, that Paul has where he says, and though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. That the, that the, that the communion table, that the Lord's table, is meant to be this formative space for the church where we are reminded that we eat this meal together. That we eat this meal together. It is a space where we take notice that we are the people of God and that our lives are not lived separated from each other, but it, our lives are lived together, united as the body of Christ. When we receive this meal together, we are reminded of our lives intertwined with one another, of our love and our commitment to each other. That when the, what you see for the church is that this was their space of coming together and all of their differences are still intact, but the rich and the poor, the marginalized, those with power, though they were separate from one another in different areas and spaces of their lives, they regularly came together and had a meal together. One of the ways that we want to live this out is, is we have a rhythm um, that we try to, to put into practice every two years. And what that rhythm is, is our election night communion. Um, so this year, for the midterm elections, here in this space at 7 p.m., we're going to have communion together. And, and, and it's something that we, did, we had to do over Zoom during a global pandemic two years ago. Um, but this year, we're going to just open up this space for a simple space for us to worship together and pray with one another and be reminded we are one body and that our allegiance 
as followers of Jesus is to him. Our allegiance is to him. It is the space, even with our differences still intact, right? We will have a sticker on our shirt that says we voted, and the reality is, is that some of us will have voted differently from one another. And with those differences still intact, literally labeled on us, the thing that really defines our life together will be the table, will be our life of Jesus. Listen, the, the Corinthians were eating and drinking in a self-centered way, and that's why Paul writes to them this, this long expression of what their, their life around the table was meant to, to be. And so to contrast their self-centered eating, Paul uses this phrase, on the night he was betrayed. Jesus gave of himself. And it's this incredible statement for the Corinthian church to understand that while they were eating in a way that, that disregarded one another, that they are forced to remember and to be reminded of, of their Savior of when he was betrayed, even when he was betrayed and his dearest friends turned his, their back on him, he still broke bread with them. He knew full well what was coming, and yet even in that space, he told them, this is my body given for you. And this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus still even there says, I am for you. And so then Paul gives this really practical um, instruction to them there in verse 33. He says, so then when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Wait for one another. And this little comment is this tangible way for the Corinthian community of different people to show that they're actually considering each other. Listen, every, every not every night, but most uh, nights when the Medrano family get together uh, and we have dinner with each other, we, we pray and we hold each other's hands and we say what we're thankful for. That is how we say grace um, as a family over uh, the dinner table. And just about every single time that we do that, as we're holding hands together and saying and giving thanksgiving for the food that we're about to eat and everything else in our lives, I look over and I see our little guy, Tiago, with his hands being held by his parents, leaning forward and trying <laughs> to eat the food that is on his plate. His hands are held, but he is still determined to lean in and eat. And such a regular comment for us around the table is to look at him and say, we wait for each other. It, it wasn't just table manners that Paul was teaching the Corinthian church, but social dynamics were at play. And the social dynamics that were at play was, it was very off, it was, it was the practice that the rich would eat separate from the poor. And so what would happen is they would have their meals separate from one another. And so that's why Paul even says in the part of the passage that we read is like, it's to the shame of the poor that you're eating in this way. You're not waiting for one another. And when it, when it's social commentator even makes mention that it was very likely that the poor were late to the meal because they were out in the fields. They were out working. And so the rich are sitting there going, well, let's Let's just eat. 
It was just this really practical way to say, even though the world around you is separated by these dynamics at play, it's not going to be the case for you. You're going to wait for each other. You're going to make space for one another. You're going to be patient with each other. You are going to wait for the other person to actually show up. And I think how instructive that is for our life as the people of God. Would you wait? Would you wait for the other person to arrive? And that's not just a meal kind of a statement. But amongst all of our differences, amongst all the ways that we don't maybe view certain things, it's just like we're a people that are patient with one another. We are a people that, that slow down and make space for people to learn and to grow. We, we, make, we make space for each other to show up. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on this passage, says, in this particular context, because Paul talks about don't eat, in, don't, don't partake of the, the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, so D.A. Carson says, in this particular context, the unworthy eating of the bread and drinking of the cup has to do with their attitudes and actions towards each other. The examination has to do with attitudes of a party spirit and lack of compassion towards the have-nots. So don't eat in an unworthy manner. This table is all about the Lord saying, this is me given for you. So you eat in that kind of context. And so then the last comment is, do this in remembrance of me. Of me. The simple statement here is this meal is meant to be formative for our lives. It's this place of, of us as we partake of, of the Lord's Supper where we have the Lord on the forefront of our minds. He is what fills and inspires our imaginations. He is, how, he is who we live in remembrance of. He is shaping how we think. He is shaping how we view the world. And so it's this place in which Paul tells them, like when you eat the, the, when you bless the cup at the Lord's table, and when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? He's saying that, that, listen, this isn't just something that you're kind of some bystander to, but this is something that you're participating in. This is something that is absolutely shaping and forming who you are. This is something that you are, are breaking together and you are ingesting into your body. This is becoming like part of your DNA. Like this is, this is shaping all that you are. So everything that you do and how you live is meant to be in remembrance of who Jesus is. Let this get on the inside of who you are. Let me wrap up with these words from Tim Chester. They'll come up on the screen. In a busy culture with people desperate to succeed, we practice in communion, resting on the finished work of Christ. In a fragmented culture that is radically individualistic, we practice in communion, belonging to one another. In a dissatisfied culture of constant striving, we practice in communion, receiving this world with joy as a gift from God. In a narcissistic culture of self-fulfillment, we practice in communion joyous self-denial and service. In a proud culture of self-promotion, 
we practice in communion humility and generosity. All these practices are habit-forming and so seep into the rest of our lives. And so we partake of communion, we receive communion in remembrance of Jesus. And it becomes part of how we express our daily living. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you might continue to do a good work in and through this people. Pray that you might continue to shape and form who we are, not just individually, but as a community. Would we be a people that look like Jesus? And when we do this, when we gather around a table with one another, maybe a space where you're showing us what it looks like to be present with others because of the way that you've been present with us. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.